My dear, beloved brothers and sisters, it's Tommy. Remember me? It's once again that time of the year. Time for general conference. That's right. Time to check in and see what new news the Lord has for us in these latter days. And what better way to celebrate the newness of this new news than to revisit old past conference parody episodes from Infants on Thrones that you will now listen to with new ears that all of us can wiggle because we're not making fun of stupid people here. We're making fun of stupid ideas. The kinds of ideas that create a distorted view of reality where we are better than them. AKA judging and criticizing as a way of making us look better than them, whoever they are and whoever we are. And while it may be tempting to swing the pendulum from one side of the us versus them judgment machine to the other, I would encourage you to measure your own reaction to the words you will hear of general conference parody episodes. And if you find yourself laughing at things that you used to believe, but no longer believe, I would encourage you to be grateful for your own personal growth and be kind to those who are growing in different areas than you are and forgive. Forgive yourself and, of course, forgive the infants <coughs> for any sloppy, clumsy hypocrisy on display as we mock and judge things that we think are stupid in an attempt to break away from self-righteous judgment of things that are stupid. This is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who wants religion to? Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy anything in this world of money. the good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone welcome back to infants on thrones this is episode 719 general conference parody episodes the prequel <laughs> because what I'm giving you today are certain seeds that were planted back in 2013 and 2015 that eventually blossomed into the general conference episodes that you probably all know and love but I'm gonna be taking a slightly different approach today I'm gonna to be sharing with you the very first mini-sode from Infants on Thrones back in October 2013 it was a response that I had to Elder Uchtdorf's talk in general conference 
I took on the liberty to write his next talk for him. So you're going to hear that today. And I didn't try to do it in Ukdor's voice. I just read it in my own voice. And then about a year, year and a half after that, there was a an episode called Disciples After Dark, which was a parody of a CES conference where I did a uh, Jeffrey R. Holland. I, was, I, I forgot that I had done Holland. I Anyway. And that was really the first general conference format episode that we ever did. So I'm going to share those two with you today. But I'm also going to share with you a message that I got from a listener named Adam. And you've heard Adam before. We did a episode with Adam back in December. I think it was called Let It Die. And Adam really wants to talk about anger. And he recorded this message. I'm going to play it for you right now. I'm going to give you a little bit of a response. I'm going to use this as a way of framing these two things that I'm sharing with you today. And I'll say more about them later. But first, let's hear directly from Adam. Take it away, Adam. Hey, Glenn, and I guess Impens on Thrones listeners. Um, I'm just recording this kind of to to document my thoughts about what it means to be mindfully angry and what mindful anger means versus unhealthy anger. Um, And this is a topic that Glenn and I have been exploring lately. And if you don't know, I'm heavily into Buddhism and studying Buddhism. And there's often this kind of, I guess it's paradox that arises, meaning that if you're Buddhist, you know, you shouldn't be angry and you can't be angry. And Glenn was kind of teasing me about that. And there is some truth to that. If you read the koan, the, um, it's like the teachings and the stories of Zen. And I think that that is true, that anger is basically a poison, you know. It taints everything that we see and everything that we feel. But I think anger can also be healthy. Um, And that healthy anger is in a very small dose. It's kind of like anti-venom is essentially snake venom, but our body adapts to it and helps us fight the snake venom. Or we get a vaccine that is um, basically the components of the virus that helps us um, keep us immune to the virus beforehand or when we're infected. Um, So I think anger can be healthy, especially when you're in situations like abuse or, in my case, exiting a fundamentalist religion. Um, There is a healthy there's a healthy spectrum of anger and I think that anger is uh, when you allow yourself to feel what you're feeling without trying to fight it without trying to invalidate it I think that's when anger can be healthy when it's a natural um, process that arises and you don't hold on to that you don't dwell on it you don't become the anger you just feel it and you let it pass I think that's very healthy Um, And this doesn't just come from me. This is just coming from the studies I've done in my... um, I studied mental health in my bachelor's, and I'm going to grad school, too, to study, to become a therapist. Um, And so what I've kind of learned, and I'm not an expert yet, but anger and our emotions, our negative emotions, we try and run away from them a lot, and we try and repress them, and they just get worse and they never get solved. And so if we face our anger, we face all these things, you know. 
feel it and move on from it, then we can live healthier lives. Because another way I look at it is that anger is going to happen in your life. Like, it's just a natural emotion that arises. Being human beings is one of the... um, kind of the inevitabilities is that we're going to feel negative emotions we can we can fight those you know and some people turn to alcohol or codependent relationships but it's healthier just to face those feelings and feel them um and that's what i've kind of been debating with glenn about um because i feel that that approach to um just basically the church and stuff. It's good for some people that where Glenn says, you know, don't be angry. Why be angry, you know? Some people can do that. I am a very emotional person. I'm very passionate about things, and I get really angry sometimes. And when I feel angry, I just let that pass. I let myself feel that. I, I don't try and fight those feelings, but I also don't dwell on them later. And I'm still working on that, but that's kind of where I'm at as a just a recent ex-Mormon um, is navigating that anger in a healthy way and Glenn's way can work you know when people are trying to uh, dwell on that anger and go back to it continually and continually I agree with him but I also think that sometimes those people need to be validated too so that that anger can just process in their mind and they can move on. Um, I compare it to kind of taking a shit because um, when you need to take a shit, you know, you can take a shit or you can hold it in, but that shit's going to come out, you know, and holding it in is really painful. Um, Side note, it's also like taking a shit because if you find stuff like Toy Army soldiers or Legos in there, it's a real sign of that you need to have healthier habits in life. So um but when you take that shit and when you let go of that anger and just drop it off in the toilet, you know, um, it feels good. And I think that's where I'm at right now is I'm trying to take that shit. I'm con I've been constipated for twenty five, twenty six years and now it's just starting to come out and I feel good. So All right. Well, first of all, thank you very much, Adam. Thank you for taking the time to record it and send that in. And I'm really glad that you're feeling good after 20 to 25 years of constipation. But toy soldiers? Really? So Adam and I will be recording a conversation about anger very soon. But here's what I heard him say. So Adam, I heard you say that there's healthy anger and there's unhealthy anger. And you compared anger to poison, you also compared it to a vaccine, and you also compared it to shit. You said that you want to feel the anger and let it pass, that that's healthy. You don't want to run away from it, suppress it, or repress it. You said that you think that Glenn's way can work, but maybe not for everyone. And honestly, Adam, I'm not really even sure myself what Glenn's way of dealing with anger really is, which is largely why I wanted to use this question about anger as a way to frame these two old pre-conference parody episodes that I'm going to be sharing here today, because I'm a little torn. On the one hand, I really love what I created here. I love the humor, the satire, the wit, the sarcasm. But on the other hand, 
I don't want to promote more anger. I don't want to promote violence or divisiveness of any kind. Did you know that the word sarcasm comes to us from the Greek word sarcasium, which means to tear the flesh? I mean, that's pretty violent, right? And that's kind of what I feel like I was doing with these old parody episodes. I was tearing away at my own flesh, at these Mormon-formed parts of my own psyche that I wanted to get rid of. I didn't like them. I was taking my own stuff and I was really projecting it onto what I was hearing in these conference talks. And I wanted to get rid of that. I didn't want that to be any part of me. It was like I wanted to scrape barnacles off of the outside of a boat that had just kind of latched on. I wanted to get rid of it. Now, that was certainly Glenn's way of dealing with anger back in 2013 and 2015. But that was before I saw things the way that I see them today. Today, I don't think it's possible to scrape any barnacles off of the outside of my boat, off of my mind, off of my psyche. I don't see tearing my own flesh as any real solution to what caused those feelings of anger and frustration and betrayal in the first place. Today, I see all of that stuff, all of my own thoughts, all of my own emotions as part of me, as part of my own mind, as part of my own psyche, something that I experienced, something that formed a neural pathway inside of my brain that'll always be a part of me, whether it's conscious or subconscious. I can't get rid of it. And if I judge it and I treat it like it's something that's just horrible and awful that I must get rid of, I'm basically declaring war on a part of my own self. And I don't want to be at war with my own self, not anymore. I want to put down the weapons that I use against myself. I don't need them anymore, right? That's a Jason Mraz song. You hear it at the end of every episode. But I want to neutralize my anger by accepting reality for what it is instead of some fiction that I think it should be instead of what it is. And I want to be grateful for all of the many, many things that I have to truly be grateful for. And I want to love every thought and emotion that I have that I've ever had about anything, including the Mormon church. So today I'm going to attempt to do that with these two things that I'm sharing with you. Because yesterday I had dinner with some family members who are faithful members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And they're beautiful people. They're kind, loving people. And I listened to them talk about some of the recent general conference talks this weekend. And I saw the messages that they took from those talks, the parts that they chose to focus on, the parts that they chose to ignore, and the inspiration that it gave them to be more loving people. And I thought, man, do I really want to be the person that just points at all of that and says, stupid, stupid, stupid? And do I want to encourage other people to do that too? No, I don't. What do I want? I just want to find peace of mind. I want to find peace of mind for myself and for those around me, for everyone, really. And anger, it's not the path to a peace of mind. It may be a rung on the ladder. It might feel good to unconstipate yourself of anger, but you don't want to then serve that up on a plate for every meal, or for any meal for that matter. Now, is anger valuable? Sure, it can help energize and empower the despondent and depressed, but eventually it becomes destructive. So here's something that the Dalai Lama, I think he's a Buddhist, said about anger. And he just posted this on Facebook today. Like anyone else, I too have anger inside me. However, I try to recall that anger is a destructive emotion. 
I remind myself that scientists now say that anger is bad for our health. It eats into our immune system. So anger destroys our peace of mind and our physical health. We shouldn't welcome it or think of it as natural or as a friend. So with that in mind, let's take a listen to this first mini-sode that I did. This was my response to Uchtdorf. And listen for it. Do you, do you hear me being angry in it? What is it that you hear me being angry about if there's anger in it? Where is the criticism? And then I'm going to say a few things about it afterwards and then share the next thing with you. So that's what we're doing today. I hope you enjoy it. And here you go. This is episode 25, the first mini-sode we ever did, Uchtdorf's Next Talk. I know you hate me, but I don't mind. Because I stole your money. Yeah, I robbed you blind. Hey everybody, I couldn't help but see all the excitement on Facebook this past weekend about President Uchtdorf and his talk during the Saturday morning session of conference. Now apparently he acknowledged that church history has its warts and that people who leave do so for many complicated reasons, more than just being offended or lazy or wanting to sin. And many people saw this as an important step in the right direction. Well, here at Infants on Thrones, we just want to help out where we can. So to ensure further steps in the right direction, we would like to publish this open letter to President Uchtdorf. See, I've actually taken the liberty to draft your next talk for you. So with no further ado, please accept this in the spirit of appreciation and gratitude and satire in which it's given. The Mormon Church is one of the fastest growing churches on the face of the whole planet. It's pretty dang awesome. In fact, people are falling over themselves right and left to join it. However, sometimes even existing members actually choose to leave it. Why the heck would anyone want to do that? Sometimes we assume it's because they're offended or lazy or sinful, but actually it's not really that simple. In fact, there's not just one reason people leave. Remember, this church was founded by a man who asked questions and searched for hidden treasures and felt profound urges. So it's totally cool if you guys want to do all that kind of stuff too. Now last time I spoke to you, I mentioned that we acknowledge openly that in over 200 years of church history, there have been some things said and done that would cause some people to question. These things are, well, they're things, right? They're sort of mysterious and vague and abstract. Well, at least that's how I made it sound before. But hey, let's get a little more specific now, shall we? So what are some of these questions and struggles that people have had? Well, some members find it difficult to accept that in 1826, the prophet Joseph Smith was convicted as a con man in Bainbridge, New York for leading people on treasure hunts with a magic peep stone that supposedly showed him buried treasure in the earth. This was the same peep stone, by the way, that he later used to translate the Book of Mormon. Some members struggle when they learn that the first vision narrative evolved over time and that Joseph didn't always claim that he saw God and Jesus together and that several other details changed from time to time as well. Some members struggle with the Book of Mormon itself, that archeological evidence actually refutes the official claims made within that many of the animals and technologies and military equipment and religious practices and people of Israelitish origin never actually existed anywhere in the New World. 
Now, I don't want to overwhelm you with everything all at once, but these are a few examples of the many struggles that people have had. And to be perfectly frank, and I mean even more perfectly frank this time than I was before, there have been times when members or leaders of the church have simply made mistakes that have not been in harmony with our values, principles, or doctrines. Like when Brigham Young organized a home teaching program as a way to sniff out dissenters, or when he taught that God the Father came to earth in flesh as Adam and is both the physical as well as spiritual father of mankind, or when he denied priesthood to the blacks and claimed that it was God's will to strike down anyone entering into a mixed marriage, or when he claimed that certain sins like apostasy and unbelief can only be atoned by the shedding of the guilty person's blood, and that there would come a time when each member would be required to shed their neighbor's blood out of love for that neighbor's eternal soul. For this is what Jesus really meant when he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Or when he possibly ordered, or at the very least covered up, the Mountain Meadow Massacre. Or like when President Packer claimed that feminists, intellectuals, and homosexuals are the three worst enemies of the church, or that homosexuality has no biological explanation whatsoever, for why would a loving Heavenly Father do that? Or like how the church today uses tithing funds to build multi-billion dollar malls? Or like when Joseph Smith said that there were men dressed like Quakers who lived on the moon? Or that Jesus would return to Jackson County, Missouri in his lifetime? or when he ordered Governor Boggs to be assassinated, or pretended to translate the Book of Abraham from Egyptian scrolls that were really just common funerary texts, or when he married all those women and girls under the threat of eternal damnation if they did not comply, or when he claimed that the heavens are populated by thousands upon thousands of infants on thrones. Now those are just a few things that would cause people to struggle. Now I suppose that the church would be perfect if it were run only by perfect people. But remember, even though God is actually perfect himself, he's unfortunately decided to work exclusively through imperfect people. And frankly, we mess things up a lot. So why wouldn't some people question everything that they hear over the pulpit and choose to march to the beat of their own drummer, since we admittedly are doing pretty much exactly the same thing ourselves? It's unfortunate that some have stumbled because of the mistakes of men. It's even more unfortunate that those mistakes were ever made, especially since so many of you have put so much trust in us as your spiritual leaders. So, rather than insinuate that people who struggle do so without any valid reason, I'm here today to officially, once and for all, apologize for these many, many mistakes and to take the first step towards our own necessary institutional repentance. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, that we will no longer expect to have it both ways. Just let's everyone be cool to each other, okay? Because isn't that really what this is all about? Now I'll admit it. I really have no idea what's going to happen when we die. I have faith in certain things. I have belief in certain things. But the most important thing is that we all have each other's backs and avoid condemning other people simply because they're different from us. So come on, let's all just try to learn the best we can from our mistakes. So whether you're continuing on with the church or not, please accept our apology and live a good life. 
Because if there's one thing we can learn from that whole atonement thing, it's to love other people more than ourselves. That is all. Amen. Anyone for the closing prayer? All right. So did you hear any anger coming out of that? I did. And my main beef was that even though Uchtdorf paid lip service to the problems that some people see in the church, he really minimized those problems by sweeping them completely under the rug and not addressing what any of them actually are. And maybe that's similar to what Adam said when he mentioned the importance of feeling validated in your anger. Sometimes those people need to be validated too so that that anger can just process in their mind and they can move on. I really wanted Uchtdorf to really, truly, genuinely acknowledge and apologize for things that were bothering me. So I took the liberty of doing it for him. I created an apology all for myself. The real question is, did I accept that apology that I created for myself? Or did I keep looking for things that would bother me and use those things as a way to get some kind of payoff? To make other people laugh at the expense of others, for example? Now, in February 2015, a listener named Jay emailed me about a CES fireside where Jeffrey R. Holland went off. Great material for more anger expression, right? So I made this next episode, which ultimately became the inspiration for our future general conference episodes. So, what kind of anger do you hear expressed in this one? And we thank thee humbly for thy abundance of blessings to us. It's my privilege to welcome our worldwide audience of teachers, administrators, support staff, missionaries, priesthood leaders, spouses, and special guests. What do you want to be? Being a teacher is challenging. One challenge I've noticed in some teachers is the tendency we feel that we're not good enough, talented enough, or powerful enough to do what we've been asked to do. I pray that you'll pray that I can say what I want to say tonight without being uh, too emotional. Help your students be not afraid. Only believe in marriage and family in these last days. Lucifer will make that harder and harder to do. Not all gospel questions have answers yet, but they will and they'll come. In the meantime, I have a question. What conceivable historical or doctrinal or procedural issue that may arise among any group could ever overshadow or negate 
one's consuming spiritual conviction regarding the Father's merciful plan of salvation, His only begotten Son's birth, mission, atonement, and resurrection, the reality of the first vision, the restoration of the priesthood, the receipt of divine revelation both personally and institutionally, the soul-shaping spirit and moving power of the Book of Mormon, the awe and majesty of the temple endowment, one's own personal experience with true miracles, and on and on and on. It is a mystery to me. Talk about a question. It is a mystery to me how those majestic eternal first-level truths, so central to the grandeur of the whole gospel message, can be set aside or completely dismissed by some in favor of obsessing over second or third or fourth-level pieces of that whole. If you want to make Heavenly Father laugh, tell him. (laughs) This is Infants on Thrones. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Osland, and on February 6th, 2015, Elder President Apostle Disciple Man Jeffrey R. Holland spoke to a group of CES instructors around the world. They called it an evening with the general authority. And man, were those people in that tabernacle stoked. I listened to it twice. I chewed it up. I swallowed it. Digestion set in. And well... Holding it in is really painful. Here's our version of how that whole evening with the general authority went down. So sit back, relax, and prepare to feel the spirit as Infants on Thrones humbly presents Disciples After Dark. Good evening, brothers and sisters. I'm addressing you right now because I'm pretty much in charge of all of you here. And I'm totally tickled to tell you that this meeting tonight is global. Because, man, we are just a super big, incredibly important group of church educational people that has grown like super crazy and is very sincere and important and big with presidents and teachers and administrators and their spouses and all the other big and important people who make such a big and important impact on the whole global world. We're pretty awesome, right? Yes, brothers and sisters, I'm talking to you. It's my esteemed privilege to acknowledge the biggest and most important presence of one of the most big and important men I've ever had the esteemed privilege of ever acknowledging. Hey there, Elder President, Apostle, Disciple Man, and personal witness of an even bigger, more important guy. I acknowledge you. We will now sing the hymn, More, 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 Give Me, and I want it right now. After which, we will have an opening prayer. After which, Elder Good Guy will introduce our esteemed biggest, more important disciple guest, and then we will hear another touching musical number. of my superior moral outlook on life, more sand to bury my head in, more plastic friendliness to mask the stench of my contempt for others, more money 
Just in case, we're especially thankful to be blessed, to be honored, to be in the amazing, esteemed presence of Elder, President, Disciple Man, who is just so big and important. Seriously, I'm so excited about this, I can hardly stand it. My friends are going to be so jealous when I tell them that I got to shake his hand. Please bless us that we'll get to shake his hand. And by all means, keep hastening this big and important global work that we are so humbly engaged in, tirelessly, with dedication. I don't even know how we do it sometimes. Amen. Hey, everyone. It's super great to be here and to help us all maintain this reverent atmosphere. Reverence just seriously kicks ass. Am I right? So does diligence. Man, diligence is just the bomb. And you know what else kicks ass? You guys do. All you guys. Every single one of you. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And your spouses, too. (laughs) But let's get real for a minute here, all right? Because one thing I see in a lot of you guys is a serious lack of confidence. And that just bums everyone out. Some of you think that you're not good enough or smart enough or the doggone it, your students don't like you. But chin up. As church educational instructors, what you do kicks serious ass. No one gives those snotty-nosed brat kids as much hope for the future that maybe they might actually turn out okay than you do. So chin up, all right? Because look at the Book of Mormon. Remember that time when Moroni was all, Hey God, you made the brother of Jared mighty in writing, but you made it hard for us to write. And the people, well, they might make fun of us for that. Remember when Moroni said that? And that was awesome. But see, he totally had moments of self-doubt, too, so you guys totally shouldn't. Because you're the most big and important people in these snotty-nosed brat kids' lives. You guys seriously kick ass. But this next guy I'm introducing right now, well, he kicks even more serious ass. I think we all know that, right? It's Elder President Disciple Man, so let's give it up for him. He seriously rocks. But first... Let's sing again, because, you know, we need to set the stage for what a totally big and important guy this next guy is, okay? Praise to the man who's so big and important, we can only hope. 
to be as big and important as him. He did no wrong, cause he was big and important. Big and important is what we all should be. Let's praise the man, and let's hero worship better than Batman. Cause this guy was so real, sure people killed him once because they were stupid. Since they killed him once, they sure can't kill him again. emotions have been seriously stirred by the amazing big and important hymns we have heard they're two of my favorite hymns and definitely two of yours you should all pat yourselves on the back for that because I'm usually pretty much beyond feeling so I pray that you'll pray that I can say what I need to say tonight without being too emotional. You know, I know you guys look at me and at my calling and that I'm totally a hero to you. But you guys are my heroes. Because, man, I'm just so impressed by every single one of us here. We truly are God's most chosen people. Trust me on that. That is exactly what God thinks. Promise. Because look, guys, there's not a more important work going on in this world right now than what you are all tirelessly doing to teach our children the righteous ways of God. So-called scientists in their glass houses trying foolishly to cure disease, policemen and firemen and mailmen and other so-called social servants who work to protect us from crime and fire and junk mail. So-called philanthropists working tirelessly to provide food and clothing and basic necessities to impoverished children everywhere in the world. None of them hold a candle to what you guys do. Teaching from the manuals we give you to teach from, indoctrinating our kids against the evils of the world. World leaders and even people in different religions They tell me that they see your tireless efforts and they're just as impressed with you as I am. But I digress. I just can't get enough of how awesome we all are. Even your spouses, because they're sort of involved in all of this too. But today I want to talk about fear. Because I heard that a lot of you guys are afraid of stuff. But let me reassure you, you do not have to be afraid. Because God leads us and has promised us that we will not fail. Other groups of people, they've apostatized, but we never will. We are the dispensation of the fullness of time. So don't be afraid. Just believe. Okay? Be not afraid. Only believe. With uncompromised confidence in God and yourselves. 
Be bold. Look fear in the face and emphatically say, Fear, I furrow my brow and shake my jowls in your general direction. There is nothing you should fear. Nothing. So I'm going to tell you for a few minutes to forcibly arm yourselves with an uncompromised confidence in God, to demand that you summon full confidence in yourselves and build full confidence in your students by teaching with conviction and optimism that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the most certain, the most secure, the most reliable, and the most rewarding truth on earth and in heaven, in time and in eternity. I ask you to teach that nothing, not anything, not anyone, not any influence will keep this church from fulfilling its mission and realizing its destiny set from before the foundation of the world. Ours is that fail-safe, inexorable, indestructible dispensation of the fullness of the gospel. Our youth have no need to be afraid or tentative about themselves or about their future. What they do need is to believe and to rise up to make the most of the remarkable day in which we live. What a secure thought that is. What a day in which to live. What a day to cut through fear or faint-heartedness. Now, before I can be accused of delivering a consistent, internally logical message, let's turn to all of the things that you really should actually be afraid of. Because, let's face it, without you guys, without us, the world would fall apart. Governments, economies, industries, and institutions will crumble. And societies and cultures will become a quagmire of chaos and insecurity. Nevertheless, through it all, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that bears that gospel to the world will stand triumphant. It's already been written in the victory books. But that does not get you off the hook. Because if you fail, the world fails with you. Kids these days, man, what is up with them? They don't want to get married. They don't want to accept responsibility. And the ones that do want to get married, the homos, well, what's up with that? We have our work cut out for us to preserve the traditional institution of marriage before it crumbles like a malting dodo bird losing all its feathers. And what's up with the so-called moral compass of the youth today? Why aren't they standing on a more firm foundation? We've been singing about it since they were little. Sure, people have questions about the gospel. And we recently hit a whole buttload of essays on the church website to show people how to sweep these questions under the rug of ignorance with the broom of faith. But look, I have a question for people who just won't stop nitpicking at these so-called questions that, come on, just believe. Because what conceivable historical or doctrinal procedural issue that may arise among any group could ever overshadow or negate one's consuming spiritual conviction regarding the Father's merciful plan of salvation, His only begotten Son's birth, the mission and atonement and resurrection? What conceivable thing could possibly overshadow the reality of the first vision, the restoration of the priesthood, 
the receipt of the divine revelation, both personally and institutionally. What conceivable issue or question could overshadow or negate the soul-shaping spirit and moving power of the Book of Mormon, the awe and majesty of the temple endowment, one's own personal experience with true miracles, and on and on and on. Talk about a question. And there's only one answer to that, people. Only the most least talented, only the most least articulate, the most least intelligent thinkers, the most least likely to take a stand against abuse against the church, and the most least courageous people will thrive perpetuating questions such as these when, look, we've already given you the answer. Just believe. Because no historical issue could ever overshadow or negate my acceptance of the prophet Joseph Smith, not even the fact of his marriage to a nearly 15-year-old girl that we talked about in one of those essays on our website. Not even the fact that it was more than just a spiritual marriage, but it was also a physical marriage, which means that they had sex. Because it doesn't matter to my big and important testimony, one jot nor tittle, where, historically, the prophet put his penis. Because if the prophet put his penis in a nearly 15-year-old vagina, or anywhere else for that matter, then that nearly 15-year-old vagina is exactly where the Lord wanted that prophet's penis to be put. Because men are that they might have joy, and women are that men might have even more joy. And the more women, the better. So look, guys, just remember how big and important you all are. And nothing can change that. And remember that God thinks so too. Trust me, he just does. And he just wants you to believe. And remember that there's nothing to be afraid of, except for the things that we do have to be afraid of. But just believe, because seriously, we've already come this far and committed so much to being right that, well, let's just be right and important and big. Am I right? Amen already. Now sing the closing song. Israel, Israel, Zion's army, all of us against the world. We're the right ones, they're the wrong ones. Strike them all down, yeah, let's strike first. Hope of Israel, rise in might. Cutting open their soft flesh with truth and right. Sound the war cry, don't strike last. Let's go out and kick their ass. This is Gabriel in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I'm a royal dickhead. I wasn't born and raised a dickhead, but I've been adopted into the dickhead tribe with the same power and efficacy as if I had been born into it. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes like I didn't. Because I'm not only a dickhead, 
I'm also a freeloader. Anyone for the closing prayer? All right. So did you hear any anger there? I mean, other than what Jeffrey R. Holland, because he did go off, didn't he? So I guess what I'd like, if any of you listeners are interested in engaging in this conversation like Adam did, and you'd like to record something and send it to me, uh, I'd like to use that. I'd like to respond to that when Adam and I have our conversation, and we can include your thoughts on anger, your own ways that you've processed anger. Uh, Do you feel like anger is healthy? Is it unhealthy? Has it been beneficial for you? Weigh in. Record something. Email it on your phone. Uh, You can just send it to infantsonthrones at gmail.com. It's pretty simple to do this these days, so I'd really like to hear from you. And thank you for listening to this episode. There's more to come. And as always, thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore. Lay down the weapons that you use against the world. We don't need another war. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You Hi, this is Hillary. Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Keith. Ashley. And I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear... Give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? My worst crime is an inside job. Dark thoughts taking over like an inside mob. I tune into the scene between the eyes and take a breath. Thank you for listening to Infants on Front. I sit still and watch the thoughts float past me. Never mind the future, never mind what the past be. I like to jump and let the universe catch me. Three, four, watch the beauty blow past me. I keep my pockets like destination in sight. Keep my actions elevated to compassionate heights. I'm walking past the fight, laying down on such a night. Choosing love when I pick up this mic. So we